Good morning, Christchurch. Today's reading is taken from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Living as those made alive in Christ. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who who is your life, appears, then also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive us, sorry, forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Those who do wrong will be repaid with favors, uh, sorry, wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, thank you for your written word, which speaks to us day after day. But thank you for your living word, Jesus Christ, who is alive with us today. We pray that through the written word, you'll speak to us of your living word, Jesus Christ, that we may know him and love him and follow him. Thank you, Father. Amen. 55 minutes, we'll see. <laughs> uh, 
I was walking around the nature park with Anna on Friday. He said, Paul, um, David's not well. Can you preach? <laughs> and I'd already written the sermon, so that's fine. So here we go. Okay, this is what I've written for two weeks' time. And this is why we've got this fantastic passage from Colossians 3. You'll see we're in this series, and the next slide reminds you of where we're at with this and where we are in the series. And the next slide reminds you of the booklet, which I think there's only one copy of that at the back. Next slide, I think. No, sorry. And there's the title for today, Dead with Christ, Risen with Christ. Dead with Christ and Risen with Christ. And what a fantastic title that is. Okay, so... If you were to buy a copy for yourselves of this book, which is Images of England, Norbury, Thornton Heath and Broad Green. Anybody know where Norbury, Thornton Heath and Broad Green are? Okay, they're South London, okay, between South London and Croydon. And that's where I was born. And in fact, on page 33, there was a picture of the street I was born in, and my house was just there. Okay, and that's where I was born 70 years ago. And uh, turn back two pages... If you flick on, you can get these pictures. There's, there's the house where I was in that road, Langdale Road. And the next picture shows a great picture. That's me in class 12 at Winterbourne School. Okay, that's me bottom back right. Okay, when I was uh, 10. Okay, and then next one is what the church looked like that I went to when I was a kid. My father used to run the Sunday school and that's where I went when I went there. Uh, I thought we'd better have a more modern picture than that. So this is what Google Maps... Street View gives you, and that's from the Evangelical Church. I see they've dropped the free church from their title. Not quite sure why, but that's from the Evangelical Church. Okay, and you'll see next to the church there at a big end of shop, and that used to have a huge poster on it. And as I was a kid, aged 0 to 10, this was 20 foot wide and 10 foot high, sorry, 6.5 metres by <laughs> 3 metres. Okay, and on it it had for everyone to see as they went past the following message. The wages of sin is death. Which is important. <laughs> yeah. But I do wish they'd put the second half of that verse on instead, which is this. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But they wanted to say the wages of sin is death. Now death is actually rather important to us, and I'll explain why in a moment. Actually, the, the, you notice the title? Dead and Alive. And we're all dead and we're all alive. And I want to talk about both of those things with us this morning. Why is it important to be dead and how is it important to be alive? Okay? So that's the, the background to this. And the background to being dead and alive is about our baptism. I don't know how many of you can remember being baptised, but I was baptised when I was 17, so I can remember... I had to give testimony in front of 600 people. 600 people. I had to say why I was there and why I was being baptised. And then I was baptised. And I was truly buried with Christ and raised with Christ. And that's the symbolism, of course, of baptism. Being buried with him and raised with him. And it's true of each of us who are in Jesus Christ. We're dead with him and alive with him. And that's what Paul's talking about in this passage being dead with Christ and being alive with Christ. And your baptism is about that. So if you can't remember your baptism, think about it and think about what it means to be dead with Christ and alive with Christ. So what are we meant to be dead to? And that's listed in this passage of Colossians 3 that Toby has just read to us. So there's the list 
from this passage. It's not a bad list, is it? Okay? Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language and lying. How are you doing on those things? I don't mean are you doing well, I mean are you doing badly on them. Yet seriously, I want to talk about those things. Okay? Because probably if you're a bloke, you struggle with some of those. Because they're all around us, aren't they? They're there in every moment of every day. There's advertising here, there and everywhere. There's, uh, and there's immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying, around us all day, every day, aren't they? And we have to learn how to live with them, or rather, how to die with them. And Paul is saying here, die with Christ to these things. And elsewhere in his letters he says, this is how you do it. He doesn't do it particularly in this letter, but he just says, die with him. Well, that's important. And the thing that I've taken to be my catchphrase for this, I've put on the next slide, it's this. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. And that's been for me for the last 50, 60 years. I'm 70, by the way. Okay, so that tells you. Uh, roughly 60 years. That's been the key that God has tried to use to help me to be dead to these things. How? I take the thought captive and make it a bit What do you like when you get into one of those sins? Do you enjoy it? You don't have to answer that out loud. <laughs> Keep it quiet to yourself for now. Yeah? But here's Paul saying, take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. Now there's a, a real exercise of mind and spirit involved there, isn't there? To say, I don't want that ruling my life. I want it subject to Christ. How do you do it? You, you pray, you, you talk to it, you construct it, you do all, you say to God, I want that subject to Jesus Christ. I don't want it to dominate my life. I want it subject to Christ. And if you are struggling with one of those, today might be the day to do something about it. Have a word with me or someone else afterwards. Because now's the moment God's saying, look, I want you to be dead to sin. That's what he's saying in this passage, be dead to sin. And alive to God. So that's the first part of the message. It's as simple as that. Be dead to it. How? Take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. And God will work in that to make it more true for you. Okay? So there's the first half of your baptism being dead with Jesus Christ. Dead to sin. But then the passage goes on and says, actually you're also alive to God. So the death is important, but the alive is important too. Yeah? And you can't be alive unless you've been dead first. There is no shortcut. You've got to die before you can be alive. And that's why we sang about that happening to Jesus didn't we, in our opening worship. Death is crushed to death. Life is mine to live. Wow. But you have to die first so you can live. Okay? 
But living to God in Christ Jesus is powerful too. And I've just put two parts of it on the next slide. Prayer and worship. Because those are true for each of us, aren't they? They're part of our Christian living. I was vicar of a, a large evangelical church in Hereford. Uh, I said at the 9 o'clock service, it had 200 members and 300 opinions. Um, it was <laughs> quite... <laughs> Mike knows what I mean. <laughs> okay, you've read a church like that, probably. Yeah, and... Um, yeah, it was a good church. But they struggled, many of them, with prayer because they thought they ought to be able to pray like some of these great saints you've read about who pray for five hours a day. And they were struggling to pray. How do you pray like that? And I had to try and help them to see that actually prayer is about being alive to God. And you are alive to God if you're in Jesus Christ. So it's a truth to say you are alive to God. You may not feel like it, but you are. No? And that's a really, 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 sorry, how many times did I say really, really important truth to get here. You are alive to God in Jesus Christ. So actually, are you in prayer now? Well, yes-ish, because you're alive to God in Jesus Christ. So actually, there's something going on between you and God now. You don't have to wind up prayer, it's already there. It's a gift of God in Jesus Christ. Yes, of course, you can learn things about prayer, but you actually have to realise it's a gift of life in Jesus Christ. And yes, I've struggled at times with how to pray, but the fact that prayer is there as a gift, because I'm alive to God in Jesus Christ, is vital to me. And when I'm walking the dog at 5.30 in the morning, I'm involved in prayer and worship because I'm alive to God in Jesus Christ. And it's something that is there as a gift to each one of us. I've, we are alive to God. I put in my notes, no need to struggle. Yes, there are times when prayer is a real struggle, when you're battling with things, when you need to pray in tongues because you've got no words and it comes out of the heart. But there are times when it's a gift that God gives you. And you thank God for that relationship with him in Jesus Christ. So prayer is one of the things that God gives us to where we're alive to him. And worship, I've written as the other one there. And I've put it's more true with others. You can worship on your own, of course you can. And I do that walking around the nature park too. But there's something more dynamic that happens when we're with other people. Because we're part of the body of Christ. And we are the body of Christ. I don't mind whether you're a nose, an ear, an eye, a tooth, a liver, a bit of skin. But you're part of the body of Christ. And each of us is part of that body. And we are more the body when we're together than when we're apart. And I think there's something vitally true about that. Ed, last week when he was speaking, talked about how he's encouraged when he comes into Christchurch and meets other members of Christchurch. There's something that happens because we're together in Jesus Christ. Did you feel that this morning when you came in? I hope you did. Did people smile when they saw you? I hope they did. Because they're glad you're here because actually you make the body of Christ stronger by being here. And that's true 
of each one of you who is in Jesus Christ. You make the body stronger by being here. So actually whether you feel like coming on Sunday isn't just whether you feel like coming on Sunday, it's actually whether you want to make the body stronger. Yeah? Because it's stronger if you're here. Do you believe that? Somebody's thinking about it. <laughs> I think it's true. I think it's true. Okay, if you're feeling grumpy you may make us feel worse at the time. But actually we're stronger because you're part of the body of Christ. And if you're feeling grumpy, you're still part of the body of Christ. Okay? So there's two ways in which we can be alive to God in Jesus Christ. We're dead to sin and alive to God. And those are both gifts to us in Jesus Christ. What a fantastic gift both of those are. And then, of course, the passage goes on. He talks about an amazing thing in the next verse or two. Verse 11, he says, hopefully next slide. There's no variation, no Jew or Greek, no slave or free, no Scythian or whatever, wherever they come from. Yeah. You're all one in Jesus Christ. We're all one in Christ. So, okay, I have to be wearing a dog collar at the moment. I clipped it on just before the nine o'clock service and I'll take it off fairly soon. It doesn't mean anything in heaven. I'm just a son of God. And each one here is either a son or daughter of God in Jesus Christ. And we're all equal in Jesus Christ. We're all equal in Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Our daughter went to Newcastle University and went to a local church and I asked how she got on and she said, hmm, they think men are better than women and I'm a woman. So she didn't go there again. Because <laughs> something said women were not as good as men. You think, wow, where did that come from? That didn't come out of scripture, did it? And here's God saying in this passage through St Paul, we're all one in Jesus Christ. Here there is no Gentile, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. All of us are one in Jesus Christ. I think that's really, 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 another really, 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 really important point there, isn't it? We're all one in Jesus Christ. And there are no second class citizens in this church. We're all one. Isn't that an amazing truth? It's fantastic truth. We're all one in Jesus Christ. And then Paul switches to talking about instructions for Christian households later on in this chapter. And he talks about wives and husbands and children and parents and masters and slaves. Uh, so just do, I did this at nine o'clock. If any of you got any slaves at home, it's time to give up doing that, okay? There probably are people in Chester who are working as slaves. Okay? I'm not joking. It's probably true in Chester. So there's actually a serious social issue. But hopefully you don't do it in your household. And you treat each other the way Paul's just been telling us to, as one in Christ. And you're equal in Christ. So it says wives obey your husbands, husbands love your, your wives children obey your parents. So when I was preaching in Hanwood 
um, I stood up in the pulpit and said, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. And Kate, our 12-year-old daughter, stood up and said, but it also says, parents don't provoke your children, and she stormed out of church. <laughs> I had actually set that up, but I didn't know it was going to happen, <laughs> which is a relief, really. But it's rules here for Christian living. How do we do it? Well, of course, each one of us has to work it out in our own household. But it's really important that we learn how to do it. When I'm preparing couples for marriage, um, one of the issues we talk about is how does, what does it mean to love, cherish, worship, honour one another within a marriage? And when I was in Hanwood, I had a couple who he would not let his wife not say she was going to obey him. Uh, I said, what's going on here? <laughs> what's going on here? Well, she's got to say it because it says it in the Bible. So do you want to live by the Bible? What does the next verse in Ephesians say? Would you like to tell me? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and was prepared to die for her. So I said to him, are you prepared to do that? <laughs> and he squirmed somewhat. <laughs> And in the end, he withdrew his request that she says they obey because he thought that was a bit tough for him. Actually, of course, if you love, you'd be prepared to die, wouldn't you? You know that anyway. Yeah? But actually, it's a really important part of being married. Isn't it? How do you love one another? Are you prepared to die? If you're prepared to die, then that's really what love means, isn't it? That's what Paul says. That's what it means here. So there's this section about what it's like in the home. I could go on, there are masses in this chapter, isn't there? But what I noticed looking through this whole chapter is that in this one chapter, Jesus Christ is mentioned eight times. That's quite something, isn't it? We've given the whole look at Colossians, Christ over all, our title. And how appropriate that is. Eight times, eight times Jesus Christ gets mentioned in this passage. How important is that in your daily living? Jesus Christ. How important in your home life is Jesus Christ? How important in your work life is Jesus Christ? How important in your church life is Jesus Christ? I know we can talk about all sorts of things after church. And we will talk about all sorts of things, but actually talking about Jesus Christ over all, in all, through all, for all, and all our lives are going to be caught up in him, not just here, but in eternity too. I was talking to a vicar last week who was saying, had a bit of a sort of discussion with some of his church members about what heaven's going to be like. Is it going to be boring? Playing a harp all the time or whatever it is they think they're going to be doing. Yeah? And here's our reply, look, we're going to be in Christ and for Christ and through Christ and we're all caught up in Jesus Christ. What's boring about that? And I think that's probably my answer. We're all going to be in Jesus Christ. And everything was made through him and for him and by him. And we're all going to be caught up in that. Isn't that amazing? And Paul's saying that all the way through this chapter. Here is Jesus Christ, the one who is for all and in all and through all and in each one of us and made somehow more visible because we are the body of Christ and we are dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? 
Isn't that amazing? Isn't it fantastic to think those things are both true? That we can be dead to sin and alive to God? Well, I think it's amazing. <laughs> it's still a lifetime's learning. I've got to 70, as I say. I've still got some more learning to do, I think, before I get to heaven. I don't know. He may have a different plan, but we shall see. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> I, I saw you laugh there. That's right. <laughs> he may have a different plan. Um, but there's the invitation. There's the encouragement. Christ over all. And let's learn together to be dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ.